In the gospel that we heard today, a short one summarizes the whole Christian edifice and the whole Christian endeavor. Jesus gives us the heart and the center of every Christian act, the commandment of love. And we have to be convinced of this because it's not just given by an apostle. It was not just given by a good person wanting to do good to humanity, but rather it came from the very mouth of God. It came from the very mouth of Jesus. He clarified to us what is the greatest and the top and utmost priority of every disciple. I've mentioned before that love is really two things. It is a noun and a verb. It is a noun because it is a name. It is an identity. I've mentioned to you in my previous homilies that if we will survey the entire scriptures and ask ourselves who God is or what God, uh, or what God is like, we can find so many things starting from Genesis to Revelation, from the first book to the last book. God is powerful, almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, and a lot of superlatives that we can describe who God is. But God as love, God is love, is not just a characteristic of God. It is not just a description of God. It is who God is in His core, in His being. This four-letter word really describes the very identity of God. So it is a noun. It is a person. Now, what does this have to do with us? Limited, created beings. I mentioned to you last time that if we are convinced that you and I, all human persons, are created in the image and likeness of God, and what is that image and likeness? Love, with a capital L. Then each of us finds our own identity and essence in love as well. Because we share, we are created, our D, the DNA that we share with God is love. So I can say that Colleen is love with a small l, Jim is love with a small l, Lorraine is love with a small l, Carrie is love with a small l, Paul is love with a small l. Are you convinced of that? <laughs> yes. That is our own identity. But there is also one principle which I love when I was studying philosophy. You know, the basic principle. The basic principle. Agere sequitur esse in Latin. You can memorize that. Agere sequitur esse. Agere sequitur esse. Meaning, action follows being. <laughs> Action follows being. If our being is love with a small L, 
then all our actions should also reflect of our being. That is why with God, we see that par excellence. When God says, when the Father, when, when Jesus reveals the Father as love, and God is love, and He defined in the Scriptures, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Meaning, the ultimate donation of oneself is the greatest manifestation of love. He did it for us on the cross. He showed that for us on the cross. Meaning, the action of self-donation, the action of salvation, the action of suffering and dying for us, it really stems from His very core and identity as love. You know that as parents. When you say, I am a loving dad, I am a loving mom, I am a loving son, I am a loving daughter, how do you do that? Well, the most, the most obvious are the sacrifices and the self-donation that you do in showing who you are to them. Agere sequitur esse. Action follows being. The question that we can ask ourselves following this is, are my actions, are my actions reflective of my being? <laughs> are my actions reflective of who I am? Or, you know, there, there was this question before, is there enough evidence to convict you that you are people who love? <laughs> Are there enough evidence to tell us, to convict us that we are disciples of Christ? So that is one, identity. Love is a verb to love. One of the basic definitions of love in theology is given by St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, it's really very simple, but it also explains this reality of us, this identity of us. St. Thomas Aquinas said, love is willing the good of the other. It's like, wow, that guy, most of the time, is pretty complicated. But at least he gets the most important thing, and it's easy to understand. It's just difficult to do. Love is willing the good of the other. Love is willing the good of the other. But who God loves? Who God loves? Is, is it a right grammatical question? It feels like it's odd question. I mean, the formulation grammatically. Who God, who God loves? Janelle. Janelle is our RCAA coordinator. And <laughs> I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I just did, sorry. But you're wearing a mask, so they won't see you. They know you, though. But I say this because I love you, you know? You know. Who God loves? God loves everyone, right? But one of the things that is so, so basic to us but really difficult to follow is like to truly love God is to love the people that God loves. Unfortunately, it is not easy. Does God play favorites in loving? 
Are there only very specific group of people that God loves? Not really. God loves everyone. That's the difficult thing. But because it's in our DNA, it is inescapable on our part. God loves everyone. So therefore, if I true, if I if I gonna really love God, I have to love that the people, the people that God loves. I, I was talking with uh, with a parishioner um, as we were planning a couple of years ago. Uh, their 50th wedding anniversary, their golden anniversary. So I really want to get to know them deeper. So they invited me for dinner to prepare the service and all of that, to prepare the, the, uh, the renewal of vows. And, uh, and uh, the wife told me, you know, Father, there's a lot of things that I never imagined before doing before I married him. <laughs> And probably there's a lot of things too that he imagined that he would ever do, but now he's enjoying and doing it. And I was like, and I asked, so why did you do the things that you didn't want to do before, but now you love to do them? It's because he loves doing them. So now I also love doing them as well. It's the same thing with God. <laughs> If we truly love God, we love Him and we love the people that He loves. Think of the most repulsive person that you can think of. I have one. Oh, two. <laughs> Three. Oh, I, I want to stop there. You know, if I truly love God, God is telling, and, and God loves them because God made them to be, created them to be, and they did not come to this world by accident, but God willed them to be right here. Even though they might be repulsive to me, I need to will for the good of these people. I don't really have to have a close relationship with them, but I should not mock them. I should not condemn them. But I should see in them what God saw in them from the very beginning. It's difficult, right? It is super difficult. And God says, some people says, you know, actually a kid asked me before. It was in a catechism. He said, Father, does God play favorites? Because you know, I'm the favorite of my parents. It's like, how many siblings do you have? I'm the only one. Of course, you are. But God, does God play favorites? What, what do you think? Oh, gosh, guys, it's fine. You still have time. You, you can answer. But what do you think? There's no right or wrong answer here. Does God play favorites? Huh? Actually, He does. It's like, Father, you're preaching heresy in your own live stream. We're going to send this to the bishop. <laughs> Actually, you know, God play favorites. It's interesting. But not because He loves other less. 
but because he knows that there are certain groups of people who are being loved less by others. <laughs> we heard that in the first reading today from the book of Exodus. That is why we preach about in the social teachings of the church the, pre the preferential option for the poor. We don't hear that a lot here in the U.S. because, you know, we're quite, quite comfortable. But in the, in the third world countries, that is one of the major things, you know, in the Philippines, for example, in, the, in Latin America, in some parts of Africa, the preferential option for those who have been loved less by others. And the, peep, and the, the group of people that, that, that I'm referring to is given to us in the first reading today. Thus says the Lord, you shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once alien yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. A preferential option for the poor, for those who have been loved less by the society. And I should ask here, and, and I should add here too, you know, they are born. <laughs> Should add here too. Because it's one of the greatest form of poverty being at the mercy of people. God has special interest in them. And if we are loving, if we are loving God, and then we 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 flow from that. DNA, then I should also pay special attention to those who are in the margins because God has special love for them. Not because God is loving me less. Looking at these dynamics of love, relationship of love relationship first is our identity am i really convinced of that am i really convinced of my identity as love with a single l and do my actions reflect that identity and love as a verb love as a verb as an action Telling us this, you know, from the exact words of Christ, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds. Like, wow, dang. You know, it's like he did not spare a single faculty. <laughs> he did not just say, love the Lord with all your heart or with all your mind, but all your soul. It's like every single atom in the human body should be directed towards God. Every single particle, the most, the tiniest particle in our own body should beat for God. That's, 
what it asks for us. Why the heart? The heart is where we feel most of our emotions, right? The seat of, of, of our emotions. But when emotions is not towards just a thing, but most especially for a person. The, that is why when we say, I love that person, you know, we, it's always symbolized by the heart. And to tell us to love God with all our heart, meaning God should be the first in the hierarchy of our loves. And from there, all the other people flows as well. With all our soul, what is the soul? The soul is the most active component of the human person. You know, that the human person is composed of body and soul. So that is why when a person dies and the soul leaves the body, the body can no longer move. It is a cadaver because the soul is that mother. I am able to kick, I am able to do this, I am able to do this because I have soul in me. If my soul leaves my body, I'm just going to be right here like a piece of flesh. Meaning, what does it tell us? To love the Lord with all our soul, that all our actions should always be geared towards the edification of God. Do my actions edify God? Do they give glory to God? And with all my mind, what's the mind? You know, what is the, the goal of human understanding and, and, and uh, human wisdom? The search for the truth, right? We don't just study things to know things. Ultimately, it is to get to the truth. That is why Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Meaning all our pursuits for knowledge, for understanding, should be also, there, there, there should also be a, a greater question behind it. Does my pursuit for knowledge and understanding bring me to a deeper, a deeper knowledge of God? bringing me closer and closer to the truth about Him. So that my pursuits are not just for my own development, but in the end, it's all about being more mesh and mesh and mesh with the person of God. It's amazing, right? If you realize all of this, that is why the commandment is the greatest bumper sticker that we can put. And no one will gonna be upset in the highways. There are just some bumper stickers that, you know, you just wanna get like 100 miles per hour once you see them. Stay away in front of it. I hate bumper stickers. It's like you're supposed to be calm on the road, but it enrages you sometimes, you know? And it's like, but this is the greatest bumper sticker that we can put there that is like, uh, something, something about our sublime identity. Is there enough love in you to convict you as a disciple of Christ? 